Hey, podcast listener, even if you are alone in your entrepreneurial pursuit, know that today, right now in your earbuds, you are joined by thousands of entrepreneurs all around the globe seeking to do the same thing you are. If you want to know more about this program or this podcast or want to get barraged by a lot of annoying pop-ups, check out our website, lifestylebusinesspodcast.com. Hey everybody, happy Thursday morning. This is the podcast where we believe building a business is the best way to create more personal freedom and opportunity in your life and the lives of those around you. You almost forgot our mission statement there, buddy. Which is? Well, you said it. It came out, but you paused for a second. Right. I, I wasn't quite sure. I, I, lost, I lost my way there for a, a hot second. Today, you have heard already, I am joined by my captain, my co-host, a man who drinks green tea for the color, not for the taste. Correct. All right. So some quick news, Ian. Follow us on Twitter at Tropical MBA, at anything. Ian, why don't you tell us how you've been using Twitter marketing lately? I'm getting heavy into Twitter, buddy. Actually, it's how Taylor is using Twitter marketing. He is um, he is uh, the man on Twitter from the Portable Bar Company. And um, one of the things that we're experimenting with is uh, doing a little content marketing and then pinging uh, these potential clients on Twitter. And actually, it's been working out pretty well. So Taylor pings them. They come to our site. They see that we wrote an article about uh, Tito's Vodka, or whoever it might be, and then uh, we start the conversation. So it's been a really good way for us so far to start the conversation. Is Tito the guy that we mentioned on the show? He is. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's cool. So the idea here is, is like, um, if your your product is interesting to somebody, a lot, of, a lot of times people are barking up weird trees. You know what I mean? Like, uh, consumers don't want to hear about the build quality of our portable bar. So the question is, is, well, who does care? Well, Tito cares about the industry because he wants people to hear about his vodka so if we can provide him with a platform for other people to hear about his vodka tito's going to want to talk to us exactly that's it yeah also i just want to say like i love twitter twitter is the best twitter gives a giant social media suplex to every other social network i mean google plus facebook What's up? With, Not into it. Yeah, really. I mean, I don't want to hear that I got a new second cousin. I'm just, I, I, I'm a, Twitter is so cool about keeping in contact with that sort of associated group of professionals that you care about, like people that you might meet up with in a couple months or you, you're waiting for their next product launch or whatever, man. I love, I love Twitter. So what's your ratio on Twitter, Dan? Personal tweets to business tweets. We, we haven't talked about this yet, but I had a new rule. I decided to stop tweeting for like 99%, 90% of stuff that I just like wanted to get off my chest because I thought, you know, the true power of Twitter is that it's a publishing platform and people don't follow me on Twitter to like hear that I'm angry about traffic in Bali today. I used to do that kind of stuff and now I've just decided what I do on Twitter is I share like the best stuff that I've read or listened to. Like that's kind of my job. I think my guess was like, who do I want to follow me on Twitter? Like what would be their ideal coming from me as a publisher and as somebody who's supposed to be pointing them in the right direction. And so that's sort of, so I don't use it as like Facebook. I use it as like this week, I listened to Clay Collins interview. We'll talk about it later on in the show. And I was like, this is one of the best things I listened to this week. You should listen to it. Like that's how I use Twitter. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that's the best way for me forward with Twitter too. And uh, unfortunately, or fortunately for them, I unfollow people that talk too much uh, personal talk. Ooh. I just I, I like to hear about uh, business. On business yeah. only business. Only business. You're so you're such a one-dimensional human being. I huh? know. <laughs> All right, we got some iTunes reviews this week. I went to the Aussie section, man. The uh, we're doing fantastic in the rankings in Australia. 
Uh, we've got a, a lot of, uh, I guess, a lot of good friends in Australia, too. Dan Norris and Jay Cower and Jam Shramko. And I, I think there's an affinity between Americans and Australians. We both like to drink a lot of beer and wear tank tops. Yeah. So the, the trick here, though, and this is something that I just learned, is you go to the bottom, you scroll to the bottom of iTunes, you click on the flag down there, yeah. and then you can... Go see different. I, I had no idea. So much for Apple making elegant software, right? Yeah. It's like everybody's replacing their Apple apps on their iPhones too. We we're just checking out uh, Gmail app yesterday. Right. Uh, get rid of Safari and put Chrome on your uh, iPhone. The weekend trade. He says, "I love this podcast and the chemistry between you guys." Um, thanks so much, Boo Yeah, Boo Yeah to you, David Jennings. I think David's from uh, Melbourne SEO. Says, "I've been loving the podcast, guys." Just smashed through the entire catalog here on iTunes. Now that's definitely in Australia. I'm picking up a lot of that lingo. Yeah, by the way. Like, Americans yeah. are saying like mate and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, it's cool. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Matt Canty uh, says, I've been listening to this podcast for over a year. Thought I'd finally get around to leaving that review. Matt, thank you so much. And of course, Matt came to the very first Tropical MBA meetup in Port Aguilera. All right, Ian, we got a question from Josh. Plotkin, if you guys want to follow along with the website, check out BrazilianGringo.com. Let's take a listen to the audio. Hey, Dan, Ian. It's Josh Plotkin here with BrazilianGringo.com. A friend of mine is already selling a product about teaching English in Brazil, but his is just an ebook. Now, I plan on delivering way more value in my guide than just an ebook, so I'm not really worried about competing, but I am worried, concerned about the relationship with this friend since if I launch this product, he's going to think that I just ripped off his book. So my question is, how can we compete in the same niche with a, with a very similar product and both profit? All right, first off, Josh, let me bust your balls a little bit. I love this part where you're saying, I'm not going to compete with my friend because my product can be so much better. I like that too. <laughs> no, no, I'm just joking with you, man. Hey, look, the first, Ian and I made a little bulleted list, and I think it's it's great that you're facing these issues, you're going to continue to face these kinds of issues. It just means you're in the game. It means you're doing stuff. Anytime you're doing something meaningful, uh, there are going to be frictions. There are going to be some challenges. So first off, it's not a zero-sum market. That's the first thing Ian said to me. He looked up from his uh, computer. I think he was on Twitter. And he said, hey, man, there's enough pie for everybody. I think, Josh, you got to find ways to cooperate but not partner, right? A partnership is a sinking ship. You do not want to get yourself... Uh, a proxy Ian in your life. You know, you want to stay away from the partnership, but there are got to be ways to cooperate. For example, could you maybe offer a version of your guide or you could give your guide to your friend a white label on his site and sell? Um, you could give it to him for free. I mean, that's one thing you could do. Just say, hey, here's some content for you too. Uh, you could offer, you know, a free link over to an affiliate link, whatever. Something like that is one way to go. Um, if your friend is going to be pissed off, forever uh, uh, about this, then screw them. Right. I think that's another way. It's not a bad little litmus test to see how cool your buddy is, right? Yeah, and especially if you're going to be in this market for a while, Josh, if, and I think you are. If this is something that you're passionate about, this is something that you're going forward with regardless. And, you know, if you didn't know your friend or, you know, your, your friend is always going to exist. I guess that's the story, right? Now, you just happen to know your friend, so you're a bit sensitive about it, but you're always going to have competition if you're playing in uh, a market where hopefully there is competition. So. And, and this final mission t uh, litmus test, which is going to be we're going to talk a lot about litmus test today. Uh, is this business your mission? I think that's something to ask. Like, is this are you a mere opportunist, or is this something that you are passionate about moving forward in the world? 
if you are passionate about moving this forward in the world, you cannot wait for other people's permission. I mean, this is just advanced permission seeking. Uh, I hate to be so cynical about it, but like, look, like if you, you know, when we wanted to launch the Dynamite Circle, we wanted like the premier community for digital nomads in the world. I'm not going to call up every other digital nomad guy and like make sure it's okay with everybody. Right. I'm not an opportunist. This isn't something that I see as an opportunity to make a little bit of money on. This is something that I need to have exist. Yeah. One time I was at a conference when we first started selling um, parking equipment and uh, a guy that had been in the game for a long time, he actually wasn't an, a supplier like us. He was a, a service provider. And uh, he came up and he, he like gave me this pep talk. He's like, hey, you know, is this something that you really want to be a part of? Is this something you really want to be doing? And I'm like, screw you, dude. I'm not an opportunist. Exactly right. Like, this is what I'm doing. I'm going forward. I'm revolutionizing this industry. Exactly. And that's what we did. But uh, yeah, I got a little offended by that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Josh. Hey, best of luck with the guide and good luck with the site. That is BrazilianGringo.com. All right, today we're going to get on to the meat and potatoes. Today we're going to be talking about some product development strategies. P is for product. Woohoo! In the APHD model. That's right. So A was for apprentice. That's the first step that, uh, when you're getting started growing your business, going through your 1,000 days. The second step to growing your business and going through that 1,000 days, that first three years of, of, of absolutely uh, the pain, the pleasure, the, when, 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 you, when you're on the yacht on day like 4,000, you look back to your first 1,000 days and you're like, that's when I was really happy because yeah. <laughs> I, I was in touch with why I was doing all this stuff. And right. I was so pumped about starting my new business. Anyway, product, P is for product, the next phase. So before we get started with this, I want to share with you something called the entrepreneurial integrity. Integrity, there's that word again, litmus test. And this is a great way to figure out whether or not you're encountering the resistance, whether you're uh, bullshitting yourself, uh, for lack of a better term, about what it is you're doing in the world and why you're developing a product. So here's how you can tell whether, uh, like what we said in Josh's question, whether you really have a mission or whether you're just an opportunist. Okay. All right. So here's a quote from Derek Sivers's fantastic book, Anything You Want, and we will link see to this book on our blog. Okay, if you want to be useful, you can always start now with only 1% of what you have in your grand vision. It'll be a humble prototype version of your grand vision, but you'll be in the game. That's what we're talking about here. Let's say you have a vision of making an international chain of enlightened modern schools. You picture it as a huge world-changing organization with hundreds of employees, dozens of offices, and expensive technology. But instead of waiting for that, you start by teaching somebody something this week. Find somebody who will pay to learn something, meet them anywhere, and begin. It will be nothing but you, a student, and a notebook. But you'll be in business, and you can grow it from there. I absolutely love this, and I, I bring this kind of idea up, and I just never said it as good as Derek said it there. And I just feel like if you're not willing to do things at the numero uno scale, uh, I don't understand that. I don't think that's like a good attitude to approach business with. Let's talk about this in real terms of failures that uh, we've had. So what was the, uh, it was like a pallet organization or like a freight organization? Freightspace.com. Okay. Let's talk about it. <laughs> Let's just get it out there in the open. Let's talk about how I lost $20,000 um, because I was not, I did not have this integrity litmus test. So my idea was that Pallet cards are very difficult to organize. And 
palette cards are like, oh, how many boxes of X product fit on a skid and how many of those skids fit on a truck? Right. And you want to figure out this stuff quick so you can give your customers pricing. Right. Or for yourself, if you're bringing over a lot of things from China, you want to figure out how to pack your containers properly. That's a little bit of a different problem. And that's the problem is that most software is developed for that problem, which means like you're willing to spend like hours on that container to make it perfectly efficient. But what, what I wanted FreightSpace to do is like pump out pallet cards really quick so you could know what to quote your customers on their shipments. Got it. Okay. So um, what I thought is like, well, wouldn't it be cool to do like a 37 signals kind of app for this? And like, you know, you plug in your boxes and it sends you out this thing. And my quote time goes down from one hour to 15 seconds kind of thing. Got it. All right. So basically, um, this brought up a really difficult problem in programming called a knapsack problem and blah, 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 blah. And $20,000 later with an Indian firm. But the whole idea here is like, <laughs> If I would have just sat down with one client, one firm like mine, so this was my problem, right? Why couldn't I find one other firm and say, I'll do all your pallet cards for you uh, for, I don't know, 400 bucks a month or come up with a pricing scheme that makes sense for your cost structure. Right. You start with one. That's the entrepreneurial litmus test. I could have hired a VA in the Philippines. I could have given them a process and I could have had a turnaround time of two hours during business hours. I would have, I would have bought that product as, as my own customer. Like I would have paid for that. But instead you fed into what we call the resistance, right? And you went out and spent $20,000 on software before you even had a customer yeah. to sell this kind of thing to. Yeah. So I, I offloaded it and I thought, well, this isn't worth doing unless I'm doing it for you know, a hundred people at once or whatever. I mean, it was all a way to avoid actually getting into business. And people do this too, not just with money, $20,000. They do it all the time with their time. They figure, oh, I'm going to work on this project for six months, two years. They're not working next to anybody. They're not working for anybody on the product. They're working for themselves. They're yeah. developing a product that they think needs to exist without talking to anybody. Yeah, there's an interesting like philosophical underpinning. Some of this hopefully will be a little bit revealed in this product uh, in this in this podcast, but what you do for people as a consultant or as an employee is a product. It can be productized, so to speak. And so if you're not recognizing that right out of the gate, sometimes you can lose your way and you can build a product that's like way off base, which is what I did with, with FreightSpace. So anywho, but, but the other thing about that product is that it absolutely sucked. And, you know, I, I had no idea like how much it was going to be worth to people and, and all this kind of stuff. So two years down the line, $20,000 $20, later and... You know, would have paid to have a client. It would have been nice to have that that anchor client. So, let's talk about some meta issues revolving around uh, products. First, I'd like to talk about this concept of rivers of cash flow, and the idea that what a product is like. So, this is a metaphor. I know I'm really geeky about this stuff, but this actually helps me. So, raise your hand in the audience if, if this kind of stuff helps you. We like to think of not if you're driving. <laughs> All right. So, a river is a market that's an actual demonstrated cash flow whereas a demographic would be has nothing to do with that particular river demographic is we talked about this before a demographic would be people who own cats a uh, a market would be a demonstrated cash flow so people who buy cat furniture because that's you can see the money flowing in the river and cat, cat furniture is a type of product that's been around for a long time so there's like it's a really wide river and it, like, it, it flows quite fast. And you can see how that money flows. Like it flows through Petco and it flows through PetSmart. And then there's these big online retailers that it goes through. And you can see that money. And so a product is like a fishing hut. A hut? 
Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. And so if you want to come up with a cat furniture product, what you do is you build a little hut, hopefully next to the river, and then dunk your little lure into the water and hope that you start pulling out some of that river for yourself. And and if you get enough stuff coming, maybe that's, that river starts coming your way. Like, right. That's kind of the metaphor here. So you got a piece of cat furniture on the end of your fishing hook. Yeah. And, <laughs> and it's getting chewed on, right? And if, yeah. It, and if yeah, if you, if you have enough of those pieces of fishing line out there, then, yeah, the river starts to kind of flow to, towards you. The fish kind of start to flow towards you. Yeah. And then uh, you start to maybe build a bigger shack eventually. Yeah, that's the idea. So what a lot of people do, though, is that they plunk their shack in the middle of the rice field like a couple kilometers away. (laughs) (laughs) Hoping that the river is potentially going to off stream over there because they got a sign up on the side of the highway that says, hey, river coming here six months from now. Check us out. And that's what we did with our first piece of cat furniture. You can you can take a look at that. I mean, it's just this funky artistic uh, like it, it'll make more sense in the MoMA than it would at Petco. And uh, Ian's sitting out there in the middle of his rice field with this thing on the side of the, the donkey cart path uh, with the sign up and no, none of the fish are jumping that far. Right. And so that's something to think about is like, how much are you tapping into the demonstrated buying behavior with your product? And, and part of the issue is, is when you look at like freight space, like, you know, I wasn't willing to like go to a customer and do work for them directly that they needed, but I was willing to like put up a, a a hut in the middle of a rice field somewhere because I thought that that was cool. I'll tell you why too, in my case, why it didn't work out. And that's because of my ego, right? I was all about developing a product for me, by me, for yeah. who I thought my audience was. It takes a lot less ego or I would have to deflate my ego to go to Petco and say, hey, I really don't know what the market needs. Can you guys help me out and tell me what you need and then I'll try and develop it for you? Yeah. Because then there's less ownership for me. Well, then it's like, well, Petco had the great idea. I just kind of executed on it. But I think you got to be egoless about this stuff and that's a great way to get started. And again, the entrepreneurial imperative of being able to get off of yourself comes through again. I mean, I think ego is, is fantastic. I mean, that's exactly, I wanted to be the designer of this big web app. I want to be a web app guy. And that's what I love about Derek's quote again, coming back to it, is like, he's like, look, get real with yourself, man. Like, th- if you if you want to, starting this giant brand around the world about education is your ego. Sitting down with one person and helping them move forward as an educator, that's for real. Right. And that's how it always begins. If you look at Derek's, oh, $22 million company, um, that started with him sitting down with his record and his buddy's record and a computer, and he had no idea how to code. Yeah, and Phil Knight, I think, uh, as the story goes, the uh, CEO and founder of Nike, he would show up to track events with shoes that he imported and sell them on the track, you know? Sam Walton, one store. I mean, this is how this stuff gets started. And, it's, and that's why it's so important to identify that you've got that integrity. Like, if I'm not willing to do palette cards for people, that says something about how I feel about palette cards. Right. And it did say something about how I, of course I wasn't going to do a palette card for people. It's an awful business. <laughs> I want a web app, man. <laughs> All right. Your audience starts with A is for apprentice. You know, we t- we're going to talk about the best way to build products is to have audience. You have, to, and your audience always starts with one. That's the great part. If you're an employee, you have an audience. You have the best kind of audience. A captive, a pain, uh, an, an audience that is prepared to see ROI. And there, we were talking about a little bit. The difference between a great employee and a good employee is that a great employee gets good at productizing their job. So as an employee or at a consultant, there is a fundamental DNA to the value delivery that you're performing for that company, that audience of one. And it isn't 
I'm brilliant. Right. Trust me. <laughs> I tried. It's not that. And I think the reason I'm pointing to this is because this is the moment where uh, if, if, if in the entrepreneurial journey, there's a lot of snags, this is one of the main snags is people who can't separate the value they produce from themselves. And if you're a great employee, you get good at what, what entrepreneurs call firing yourself. You've, even if you're a great consultant, you fire yourself from your consulting clients yep. again and again and again. I had a consulting client for a year. I didn't do any of the work. They thought I was doing all the work. Right. Let's talk a little bit about Rip, Pivot, and Jam in 2013. For those of you who don't know, Rip, Pivot, and Jam is one of our favorite uh, techniques. And I see a lot of people trying to do their own rip, pivot, and jams. And there's a couple little things I'd like to tweak about the theory. Number one is with the pivoting. So obviously ripping is going to that river. And you're going to look on the side of that river and you're going to say, where are all the fish going? What's happening? Dan and Ian, they're making money with these litter hiders. All right. So they're solving this kind of problem for cat furniture. What's a way to pivot that? A lot of times I'm seeing people pivot too far. Like you don't have to reinvent the wheel. The river's already going. That river is 100 years old. Don't try to do something too different. Funnel off a couple fish at a time. I, I would focus on something simple. You know, like there's a litter hider made out of wood that looks like this. Why, why don't we make one out of metal? You know, like just keep it real simple, little pivot. Um, right. You know, we were talking about one of our friends like wants to make this like new fancy backpack. And I'm saying like, hey, uh, we have, uh, I have 20 close friends that all have the same Surge North Pack north face pack so now if you come to me now let's just okay so let's talk about pivot for a second i love the north face surge backpack i have 50 friends who love it as well everybody who comes to the tropical mba has a north face surge. Right. it's a great backpack but because we love that backpack we buy a new one every time it breaks down we buy it all the time i know exactly what's wrong with it yep so if you were to come to me as uh some guy with a great idea he's ripping uh the idea of say travel backpacks and then he pivots it into this whole new thing where it's like this amazing space age thing i'm gonna look at that and say nope nope like love the surge love the surge yeah right. that's that's where you're wrong but imagine the same person comes to me and says you love the surge don't you well i've added three new features that solve the major problems of that backpack and i've added a beer koozie onto it so hold on. <laughs> I was like, where do I sign up? Where's the credit card form? Do you take credit cards right on your person? I'm probably paying double. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And so that's the first problem is I'm seeing whack pivots. Let's call them whack pivots. The second problem that I'm seeing is I'm seeing the unfocused jam. Okay. When I talk about jam, I want like a Kanye West theme uh, (laughs) anthem that gets done in like four minutes. I don't want fish to take the stage. That's not the kind of jam that I'm talking about. I don't want... I don't want uh, to have to take uh, some funky pill in order to appreciate the music, (laughs) okay? I want you to get this over with. And so when we we talk about jam, we're talking about pushing to fail points. And that's what we're talking about with um, Alistair, our main man. We're talking about pushing, uh, having him get involved in this jam process, which is you take a product, you become its champion, and you focus all of your energy into figuring out whether or not that's even going to be a partner you take to the dance or not. You know? Yeah, fail points are really important in this rip, pivot, jam. And I think trying to accelerate them, that's one of the things that we're trying to do in our business now these days. It's like either uh, you accelerate them or you put them out to pasture. 
All right. Speaking of 2013, let's talk about a, a quick little trend alert. Yeah, I'm seeing a lot of people on Twitter, like a lot, a lot of people that are able to make two to three, two to four thousand dollars a month doing SEO services, and they have these travel blogs too. So I marketing think marketing services. Really, yeah, I think PC, all of podcasting, editing. <laughs> no, go on, go on. <laughs> I think it's really cool that people have, uh, this is something that we've talked about for the past two years is like carving out an income for yourself, but I'm actually starting to see it become much more mainstream. Yeah, it's definitely I mean, I've probably seen 10 blogs this last week with people that are making two to four K a a month uh, fulfilling these kind of services. And a lot of people bomb out on these cats and I don't like that. I I think that like that's a miss. Oh yeah, you're you're 25 and you make three grand a a month traveling anywhere from your laptop that's not even feasible if you don't see that as like the gateway to drug to wealth you don't get entrepreneurship at all if you can get three thousand dollars that you're getting paid every month for results not for ass and chair right for results that's the entry that's the gateway drug man that's like smoking pot right. the next the next you know you know the kind of room that's going to put you in <laughs> <laughs> so kudos to you guys in 2013. Keep it up. All right. So we've got this whole concept of uh, 1,110. I think we got a pun on that, Ian, because we just got way too much. So let's do that on next week's episode. Sure. Okay. So let's get moving on to just the tips. All right. Thank you so much for hearing our philosophical ramblings about um, product and uh, getting, you know, t- turning that essential relationship with your employer, with your consultants, or your clients rather into the product phase. Not that hard. It's not, not that it's hard. Not rocket science. It yeah, looking forward to the uh, HD coming yeah. out. Uh, okay, so uh, just the tips, man. Something I've been doing is I've been keeping a writing diary. And uh, it's this idea of monitoring what counts. And we have this, uh, fun, uh, this sort of concept of KPI in our business where our uh, team members send us secure the KPIs. And I always thought when we're tracking KPIs, the most important element of that whole thing is deciding what you're tracking. And in your business too, uh, there's this great uh, episode in, in this one business where um, they found out when they were, it was a collections agency. So I'll tell the story real quick. Basically, they found that when, as a collections agent, if you tracked how much money they were collecting in the short term, it created like these rude, uh, bad agents because they would intimidate the people. Right. So instead, what this uh, woman, she started tracking how many thank you letters each agent sent out to the people they were trying to collect from. Like that was the KPI. Right. And by tracking that, it, it, it showed what was valuable to that organization and it reinforced those kinds of things. So in my life, I decided that my business grows when I write more. That's what creates growth in my business. So I've actually been tracking like a writing diary and I'll blog post all this stuff at, at Tropical MBA once the book's finished. All right, <laughs> let's get started with the limited attention span jam. I'd like you to point you to two pieces of excellent content this week. If you only listen to two things, these are the two things besides this podcast. Check out 2K to 10K a day, a book. I can't remember her name. I didn't write it down. How to write faster, better, and more of what you love. It's a fantastic book. We'll give you two links both to Amazon and to the blog post that inspired the book. If you want to write more, you have to listen to uh, read this book. It's short. It's sweet. It's amazing. And second, check out Clay Collins' interview with Brian Clark, the copy blogger, turned his audience blog into a seven-figure software business. It's an amazing story. It's a must-listen if you're taking the audience-based A is for apprentice, P is for productize, exactly what we're advocating here. Do check out Brian Clark, fantastic entrepreneur. And today we are playing you out our fine music.